This podcast is brought to you by the Empower Her program, a 12-week gut and hormone restoration program. If you are suffering from chronic digestive and menstrual cycle issues, this may be the program for you. Go to www.sophieandkyleen.com forward slash empower her to join the waitlist. Welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, women's menstrual health and gut health coach. And I am um, super pumped that you guys are here. This is going to be a solo episode today for you. I was uh, getting so many questions on my uh, on my Instagram about all these different symptoms, things like headaches and migraines, and things like bloating, fatigue, brain fog, painful periods. And it really got me thinking how many of those things are related to potentially the same hormonal imbalance. And you've heard us talk a lot about estrogen and progesterone and different parts of the menstrual cycle here on the She Talks Health podcast. But I realized I don't think we ever created a podcast where we just talked about those two hormones and what they do in the body and and how they kind of work. And so I was thinking about that more and more and thought, hey, you know what? That would be a huge piece of the puzzle that people might not fully understand. Because I know for me, I definitely didn't understand that our hormones impact so many different parts of our body, not just our reproduction, um, and didn't really understand the importance of the hormones from that perspective either. So that that was kind of a huge eye-opener. And so I wanted to share some of those important things with you today. I'm also going to walk you through what kind of symptoms would pop up if those two main sex hormones were imbalanced and some things that you could do to mitigate those imbalances. Of course, anything I suggest in terms of doing things, you really should work with a doctor. It's not, this isn't information to, you know, take away from anything a medical professional would say towards you. You definitely need the support of one person looking at your health, but these are just general things that you can ask your provider about that might really, really help you move the needle on some of these really frustrating symptoms that so many of us 
deal with. So let's dive right in into progesterone first, and then we'll talk about estrogen afterwards. So progesterone is a hormone that is created in the second half of your cycle. I think you guys have heard me talk about this before, but if you look up literally a the, the female hormonal cycle inside of like Google, you will see that progesterone really takes over on the second half of the cycle. And this is really important because what we don't always get told is that progesterone isn't a given. And progesterone is a really, really important hormone for many reasons. Um, It actually does help us more than we would think. So in addition to helping us with reproduction, another huge part of the progesterone puzzle or the progesterone added benefit is how much it helps our mood. So progesterone actually will work with what's called GABA receptors in our brain. And GABA is one of those neurochemicals that helps us to relax. And so it's no coincidence that that happens in the second half of the cycle when otherwise we would maybe not feel so relaxed, right? A lot of people deal with PMS or premenstrual syndrome. um, And usually that's an imbalance of too much estrogen to progesterone. It's actually a hormonal imbalance, not just something you have to deal with every month. And so being low in progesterone could make you feel very anxious um, because you might have low um, regulation of your GABA receptors. Now, it can also be something where it helps with sleep. So I often think of progesterone as kind of (laughs) the keep calm and carry on type of hormone. Um, And so it is something that same way it will work to calm down the brain, which is another way that we can, of course, get to sleep, right? If if you're anyone who's ever had an issue getting to sleep, you know that um, having a peaceful mind can oftentimes really, really, really help you, right, with with your sleep. So progesterone, you can think calming, you know, relaxing, sleepy time, that kind of thing. And then the other thing that progesterone is really good at is helping us to build strong bones. It also helps with like any sort of um, kind of brain boosting and cognitive um, support. And a huge thing is that it boosts our thyroid function. And that is, you know, can't be you know, underlined enough, you know, that we care a lot about thyroid health here over at the She Talks Health podcast because I myself have hypothyroidism. And what I didn't know when I was diagnosed was how much my other sex hormones could be impacting my, my, my thyroid. And so low progesterone can impact your ability of your thyroid to work properly. And then I think maybe the other huge part that we often don't understand or that certainly was never explained to me is that progesterone helps to kind of combat estrogen. It's like estrogen's like yin to its yang or, you know, it's, it's the kind of opposite. And so we need progesterone to take over in the second half of the cycle in order to kind of combat the, any negatives of estrogen. Now, estrogen is a great hormone. We'll talk about that in a little bit too, but too much of any hormone can be, you know, not a good thing. And so it will help to kind of balance estrogen. All right. So you can think of them as almost like a seesaw and we want enough progesterone, um, equal to estrogen in the second half of that cycle. And that's during that luteal phase. So 
it, after we ovulate, there is a, you know, there's a follicle that's been developing, right? And then the follicle is going to kick out one egg and where the, the space where the egg leaves, there's going to be a follicle that will fold in and create a new gland. It's called the corpus luteum. And that temporary hormonal gland is actually what's going to create your progesterone for the second half of the cycle. So I don't know if you guys are thinking what I'm thinking, but that takes a lot of nutrients and a lot of things to go right for you to ovulate regularly on time and healthily and create good amounts of progesterone. And that's actually what's going to prepare the female body for pregnancy. It's going to prepare the uterus for pregnancy, right? So that's why it's so important to maintain healthy ovulation when we're talking about having healthy periods, uh, healthy pregnancy, healthy hormones, because it's really progesterone's job to maintain the lining of the uterus, which is what's going to make it possible for a fertilized egg to even implant if you're trying to get pregnant. Now, if you're not trying to get pregnant, that's totally cool too, but just remember that if we don't ovulate well and we don't create enough progesterone, it could impact our mood, causing anxiety. It could impact our brain, causing brain fog. Um, our bones could become more brittle. It's not going to combat some of the um, estrogenic effects, which we'll talk about in a second, and it could also impact your thyroid. So women with low progesterone, typically this is what you would what you would feel like. You would have irregular menstrual cycles or short cycles or even mid-cycle spotting. Um, you could have headaches or migraines. You could also be experiencing that mood swing or anxiety. And then fatigue is a big one. Sleep disturbances, I mentioned. Breast tenderness is a, is a big one that people message me about all the time. And then finally, like, and, and definitely not least is, is low sex drive, low libido can come from having low progesterone, um, which makes total sense if you think about, you know, the way our body uh, works and, and how, you know, if we were under a lot of stress that could lower our progesterone, which could lower our sex drive, and it kind of all works in tandem together. So that is kind of the, the importance of pro- progesterone and what it does in the body. Um, and there are a ton of reasons, especially in modern day, why we would be experiencing low progesterone. So a lot of things that I hear from people who are struggling with hormone imbalances are, I've tried everything. I don't know what's causing this. I feel like a failure. And I just want to say to you, like, I totally hear you. I tried so many things before I figured out what worked for me, but you are in no way a failure because you haven't figured out some mystery of imbalance of hormones. You know, the truth is that hormones get imbalanced for a reason and there's usually very very like easy to understand reasons why we would get imbalance like stress. I mean, gosh, we are a year into this pandemic. Um, and I know a lot of people are feeling pretty burnt out and stressed out still and totally understandably, right? Um, people have lost their jobs. They've lost loved ones. They've gotten sick. And so a mental, emotional stress or any stress on the body, you guys have heard me say, you know, stress does not just have to pertain to mental, emotional stress, but any stress on the body will lower progesterone. And it works be- works like this because the body is not going to produce life if it thinks you're under distress, right? 
um, because that that the the body is smart that way. And so stress will actually lower the hormone progesterone, and it can be so so big. The stress can be so, so big that it can actually completely cause you to miss your ovulatory window and completely have a screwed up cycle that month. So just know that if this is, if any of these symptoms are coming up for you and you're like, man, I wonder if I have low progesterone, it could be just due to stress. Then and secondary one would be nutrition. nutrition. So if we aren't eating a nutrient dense diet, because that whole event of turning the follicle into the corpus luteum takes a lot of energy. And so we need a lot of nutrients um, to, to make that happen. Um, and then any sort of lack of ovulation caused by an outside force. So whether it be hormonal birth control, which is going to stop ovulation, polycystic ovary syndrome, or even hypothyroidism that causes a um, misalignment with the ovulatory window. Um, anytime we don't ovulate regularly, it's going to cause low progesterone. So oftentimes women with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's or polycystic ovary ovary syndrome have a lot of these symptoms and it's because they're not ovulating regularly. Um, There's also another hormone called prolactin and it's pretty, I mean, it's it's not as common that you would have elevated prolactin. It's actually something that um, triggers lactation. So, um, most women who are, you know, lactating after, after birth are going to have high prolactin and might have an irregular cycle, but you can have high levels of prolactin, um, either because of a benign tumor or a stressful lifestyle or just even poor like diet choices. So elevated prolactin is, is another reason why you could have low progesterone. Um, also as we age, right. Um, as we go through perimenopause and menopause, we're going to lose our, um, our, our progesterone really after age 35, um, we, we know that there is kind of this decline in progesterone. Um, and so we're, and we're also then of course, when we approach menopause and go through menopause, we're going to stop having our period, which means we're going to stop ovulating, um, where we won't be creating as much progesterone. NSAIDs are another reason you might have low progesterone. Funny enough, they actually can cause you to not ovulate well. Um, So if you're taking a lot of pain management NSAIDs, um, that could be a potential cause. And then another one would be just general inflammation, whether it be from toxic chemicals or heavy metals or gut issues um, and leaky gut and like autoimmune inflammation. Um, Any sort of inflammation in the body can cause a disrupt, uh, can disrupt the ovulation, uh, from happening, which will disrupt your ability to produce progesterone. All right. So we've got why you'd be low in progesterone. So just to sum it up, stress, nutrient deficiencies, any reason for lack of ovulation caused by either inflammation, NSAIDs, elevated prolactin, age, hormonal birth control, PCOS, or hypothyroidism. Um, and we, we know that progesterone is a pretty dang important hormone. So what can we do, <laughs> right? Because I'm all about, well, great. What can we do about this? Because I'm really stressed, right? Or whatever it is that you think is causing the, the potential low progesterone, or maybe you've even been diagnosed with progesterone deficiency. So from a nutrient perspective, there are a few nutrients that are really crucial for progesterone. They are vitamin B6, vitamin C, magnesium, zinc, and then dietary fats. 
So we can definitely, you know, eat foods that are rich in these foods, things like, um, and, and sorry, in these vitamins. So vitamin B6, you're looking at beef liver, you're looking at salmon, chicken, turkey, um, banana, ground beef, winter squash, chickpeas, um, magnesium, you might be doing dark green vegetables or nuts um, or even avocado. Zinc, you might be looking at. Oysters are definitely my favorite <laughs> way to get zinc in. I feel like they're such a superfood for me, but also pumpkin seeds and cashews are great and beef and chickpeas. Those are all rich in zinc. Um, vitamin C, you know, of course, those citrusy, citrusy fruits, but also peppers, red peppers, green and red peppers are great. Um, strawberries are also great. And so is broccoli. So there's a lot of really healthy foods that we can be including that are rich in vitamin B6, vitamin C, magnesium, and zinc. Um, so those are kind of like special call outs. Of course, you guys know that I'm a big believer in being gluten-free because it can cause so much inflammation in the body and other foods that can cause inflammation for you in particular. Like if you have a food sensitivity, those should be removed um, or at least considered to be removed. And then of course, managing stress, which I know is easier said than done, but any sort of stress management practice that's going to work for you, whether it's going for a walk or doing some deep breathing or maybe it's playing with your animal or cuddling with your significant other or watching your favorite TV show or journaling. Really anything that's going to help you to de-stress um, is going to be helpful for your ovulation, creating enough progesterone, and ultimately getting rid of those nasty symptoms that we don't want to have. And uh, including dietary fats, I mentioned that because all of our sex hormones are created from cholesterol. Um, and then if you think about that upstream, well, where do we get that? So that's going to be from dietary fat. So fat is great for creation of our hormones, right? And then also it's going to help to balance your blood sugar, um, which is really important because imbalanced blood sugar can definitely cause a decrease in progesterone. So we want to make sure that we're kind of keeping an eye on that. So healthy fats are like grass-fed meat. Um, we're talking about wild-caught fresh fatty fishes. Um, and then like plant-derived fats would be things like olives and olive oil or avocado and avocado oil, and then coconut or coconut oil. Um, so those are all things that are going to help to boost that, that um, dietary fat and then therefore be helpful for creation of are all of our hormones, including progesterone. And then from a supplement perspective, this is going to be super, super individual. So you want to make sure you test and don't guess, right? Always saying that. Um, there's one supplement in particular that has been proven time and time again to really help. It's an herbal remedy called Chaste Treeberry or Vitex. Um, again, this is just something that you would really have to work with a practitioner on, um, but it has been shown to reduce prolactin and also raise progesterone. So depending on what's going on in your testing, you might be a candidate for um, Vitex or Chase Treeberry. And then if, for example, if you don't feel like, or your practitioner doesn't feel like you're getting enough vitamin C, B6, magnesium, zinc, those types of things from food, then maybe supplements like that can help. Um, but then also we want to think about addressing inflammation. Um, we want to think about fiber-rich diets and liver support. And I'm going to talk about those ones as I go into the estrogen part of this because they kind of relate more to 
progesterone being low because of high estrogen. So let's make that transition. I have such a beautiful story about this. I have a client right now um, whose name is Caroline, and she was diagnosed with endometriosis, Hashimoto's, and progesterone deficiency within the past four years. I mean, longer than that too, but like all of these things were were fairly recent in the past um, five to 10 years of her life. And what was really interesting was she was having a lot of the symptoms I mentioned before. Most notably, she was having two-week-long migraines when we first met she was just dealing with weight gain, um, irregular cycles, low sex drive, fatigue, anxiety, like crazy, and a lot of trouble sleeping. So she is a pretty much like spot on. If you look at the symptoms of low progesterone, they are her, right? So you would think that when you would test, you would see that she had low progesterone, but she is a perfect case of test, don't guess, because we could have totally gave her supplemental progesterone or things to boost progesterone. But when we ran her, her Dutch hormone test, we found that she actually was making beautiful amounts of progesterone. And in fact, she was just making way too much estrogen and she wasn't getting it out of her body. So this is why we don't want to just jump to like looking at a bunch of symptoms and deciding that's what's going on for us and then trying to treat it, you know, by ourselves. Cause that can be, you know, at worst, a waste of time and money and, uh, like, or at best <laughs> a waste of time and money and worse, potentially even damaging, right? Because we're, we're totally guessing. So I would really recommend working with your practitioner. If you're, um, if you don't have one that you trust, you can always message me. Either email me sophie at shetalkshealth.com or you can also find me on Instagram at shetalkshealth and DM me and we can just have a conversation and see if there's a way that I can help you. But I just really, really wanted to tell you guys about Caroline because it was really that she had too much estrogen. So let's talk about estrogen because it gets a hugely bad rap because of the symptoms I just like laid out, right? Um, some of the symptoms of having too much estrogen are pretty much everything I, I went through earlier, but also it can be related to heavy bleeding or painful cramps, breast tenderness or breast cysts, hormonal acne, PMS, or even PMDD, which is premenstrual um, dysorphic disorder. Um, fibroids and, and endometriosis are two conditions that are um, often associated with estrogen de- um, dominance. And then also, a lot of depression, weepiness, mid-cycle pain, and brain fog, those are all related to estrogen dominance. But as I was going through that list, like even menstrual migraines and, and mood things, like a lot of these things are very similar, right, to low progesterone. And that's because these two hormones work like that seesaw I was talking about earlier. So really... Estrogen is a pretty amazing hormone. It it gives us our lips, our hips, our thighs. You know, it it helps us to keep our body and our skin lubricated. It's definitely what's, you know, responsible alongside some testosterone for getting us in the mood, right? It really is a hormone that makes us female if you're identifying as female. And so um, from, you know, at least from a physiological perspective, right? Um, and so when we have, so that's good, right? I mean, you would think, oh man, that's, that's awesome. Like I want lips, I want thighs. I, I want to be in the mood. Like these are all great things to have, but 
like anything, if there's too much of it, it can become that really annoying friend at the party that never leaves. And so, you know, it's like, I always think of of like progesterone as the, uh, like the quiet introverted friend and estrogens, like the loud party raving friend, right? They're both fun. They're both great, both great parts of maybe even your own personality, but you don't like have one on the whole time. Right. So estrogen dominance is really described as a dominance, right? Or too much of, or extra estrogen in relationship to progesterone in the second half of your cycle. So estrogen should be in charge the first couple of weeks or so of your cycle as it's helping to develop um, that follicle. It's working with other hormones. You're kind of you know, moving closer to ovulation. Okay. And then once you ovulate, progesterone is supposed to take over, but what can happen is because maybe we have PCOS or Hashimoto's, or we have, um, a stressful event or an internal toxin that's causing inflammation, we can not ovulate well, or just not ovulate at all. And then therefore we don't create any progesterone and estrogen is like running amok for the whole month of our cycle. So what kinds of things can we do to help when we might suspect we have estrogen dominance, right? When we have all those symptoms, first of all, like I said, test and don't guess because it really depends on what kind of estrogen dominance you have. For example, is it a poor detox? And within that, are you not detoxing well in phase one of your liver detoxification or phase two? or even phase three, which is really in your gut? Or is it that there's just so much estrogen coming in, or finally, that you actually are not creating too much estrogen and your estrogen's getting out of your body quite well, but you just aren't creating enough progesterone. So there's really kind of four ways that you could be estrogen dominant, okay? You can basically create way too much estrogen, or you can create not enough progesterone, or you can have you be creating okay amounts, but it's getting stuck in your liver or your gut. So that's that's really important because, for example, if you know when we run a GI maps test on a on a, on a client in Empower Her or my Shine program, which is my one on one program, you know we run a GI maps and it has an enzyme marker there, and that will tell us if someone is basically estrogen dominant in their gut, meaning that their liver worked really well to package up estrogen, but it got stuck in their gut. We were talking about this on the episode with Kyleen Terhune a couple weeks back um, when we were talking about um, poop and the, the episode that's about how poop impacts your estrogen. And if you remember, what I explained was that there is bacteria in the gut, and when it's healthy bacteria... Um, in this part of the gut called the estrobilum, it will help us to efficiently metabolize and, and detox estrogen. But if the bacteria is out of whack, out of balance, um, then that gut will not regulate um, the breakdown of estrogen and we will not have the enzyme to 
convert it into an active form to be eliminated. And when the gut bacteria is not in balance, that can really cause a lot of issues like constipation. And then all those estrogen dominant symptoms can come up. And that's because that estrogen is just stuck in the body recirculating. So that's what, you know, when we have that, we're focusing on getting you to go to the bathroom, but also maybe even including supplements like calcium deglucurate, which can help to really activate that, um, that part of the detoxification pathway. Then if you were stagnant in phase one of your liver, for example, you would really want to focus more on antioxidants and sulforaphane, things that are found in cruciferous vegetables, things like dim and broccoli sprout. You know, those are going to really move the needle for somebody who's kind of stuck in the phase one detoxification problem. And then if they're doing great in phase one of their liver detox, but phase two is getting all screwy, they might have a genetic issue that's influencing their ability to detox. Well, I have a lot of those, (laughs) unfortunately. I think that's probably part of the reason I got so sick so young was I was doing all the same things my friends were doing. I was going out and I was, you know, partying in New York City, but I just couldn't detox well. Um, And that can be genetic, but we can help it with things like um, B vitamins and magnesium. Um, and then there's also just the issue of maybe too much estrogen coming in, right? So if we're, you know, chugging back a ton of caffeine and alcohol and we're not sleeping well, and maybe, you know, all of those things are adding up, or maybe we, we have a lot of, um, you know, conventional meat in our diet. There's such a thing as xenoestrogens. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast, which are, um, estrogen mimickers, things that go into the body and mimic estrogen and can really tip the scales over into that estrogen dominance category. So there can be just so many ways someone can be estrogen dominant, right? And so that's why I'm just such a big believer in in testing and not guessing. Because if you guess at that, right, and you had an issue, for example, with like, you know, your gut and you're taking something like DIM, that could make you actually be like, too low in estrogen and have all sorts of other issues like hot flashes. So I would definitely recommend, you know, testing and not guessing. Um, you can, you know, message me anytime if you have questions about that. Sophie at She Talks Health or just DM me on Instagram at She Talks Health. I hope this makes a lot of sense. Um, you can save this episode, send it to your friends, you know, write down some thoughts. There'll be a corresponding blog as there usually always is with my solo episodes so that you can really see it written out if that's your form of learning and education. But just remember, if we pull out the big, big um, picture is we need a balance between progesterone and estrogen. They're both incredibly important hormones, not only for reproduction and healthy cycles, but for our mood, our energy, our mental clarity, our libido, our sleep, our bone health, and our cardiovascular health. And where we see the most issues is when, for some reason, either a person is not ovulating um, or they are getting way too much estrogen created, either through genetic reasons that they can't detox well their gut is screwed up or they are just consuming things that boost up high estrogen like caffeine, alcohol, and xenoestrogens. So 
from here, there should definitely be at least one or two action items you could try at home, right? Like you could try lowering stress, for example, or making sure you're eating foods that are rich in magnesium, or maybe even, you know, eating more cruciferous vegetables, things like this, or lowering your caffeine or alcohol intake. So there's a lot you can do, you know, from the comfort of your own home that are good kind of for everyone, right? Um, That could also impact these really frustrating symptoms that are so common amongst menstruators today. So this is Sophie Shepard. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this has been incredibly useful for you. Um, If you found this useful, please leave us a review or, you know, like our podcast so that more people who are dealing with these types of hormonal imbalances can find us and get the support that they need. Until next time, uh, I'll see you soon, guys. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.